Oh my God, happy July and welcome to another amazing episode of Secrets in the Saddle podcast. But before we get started, as usual, we have a little coach's announcement. So this is something cool. You can get on a waiting list for my September Cycling Skills four-week online workshop for women. The registration isn't ready, but we're taking people on a waiting list. So you guys get the first dibs to signing up for this workshop that's going to start September 9th. It's every Thursday afternoon from four till five. So it's quick. We, what we do is we got every week we talk about a cycling skill. So we always start off with pedal stroke and then we move into hill climbing and then we do speed and then we tie it up with nutrition. So every week you get one of those workshops, you get homework, and then we have a Q&A on Tuesday at noon to go over any type of questions that you might have from the homework, from the recording or the workshop that we went through. So basically what you have is me for a month. So you can co you can like pick my brain as the coach with, with regards to any type of cycling skills or cycling type of questions. It can be about competition. It can be about touring. It can be about centuries. So basically you got a coach for a month. So check it out. My my cycling skills four week online workshop for women go to cyclingskillspro.com and register for the VIP you guys will be the first to get the opportunity to sign up I'm only going to take a certain amount of uh, women in the program so make sure you're the first one there and I hope you enjoy this episode thank you so much everybody don't forget to follow me on Instagram I'll be put I put coaching um uh, tips up there and on TikTok and uh, sign up for the my YouTube channel and don't forget to follow this podcast. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, it's another amazing Thursday and guess what? Yes, I've been inspired to talk to you about, well, first, before I tell you what I'm going to talk to you about, because I thought I put this together, look, you can see my, my glasses, um, before I put this together, I want to remind you to share and follow me on Instagram. Um, I put up uh, cycling tips and workout tips up there and also to provide a review and a rating here uh, so we can drive this podcast straight to the top on the cycling uh, in the cycling department. I know it's not super technical, but I think it's super interesting. Some of the people that I'm in, uh, interviewing some, you know, not completely like cyclists, but do things in relation to cycling that can help you right now. 
before I want, before I get into that, um, we are weeks away from ending the contest. So that means every Friday, and I've been super bad about not posting because it's really, and maybe somebody can help me, is that I cannot find all our reviews. It's weird because people say the review, but I see some reviews and I know that I can't see all of them. Who is really good with iTunes reviews? Anywho, but I will be doing something big when I find everybody. Don't you worry. Now, okay, so before I started, I'm going to share with you the Hill Repeat uh, drill that we did today. Now, it's one thing to go and do your hills. It's a totally other thing to go do your hills with purpose. And I would say if you're going to train, you need to train with purpose. You need to have a plan. You just don't go out and do stuff and expect a result. I mean, doing hill repeats, you're going to get some sort of result. But the thing is, if you go and do your hill the same all the time, you're just going to do your hill the same. Maybe you might be a little bit stronger. So we had eight women. Four were new and four had our returns and um, so had been out to my hills before. So what I, and also because there's so many of us, sometimes it's hard to do the same thing. Um, just having so many people doing the turnarounds uh, at the same time. So I, I put together two in two drills. So for the ladies who were new, what I wanted them to do was to get used to seated and standing big ring, small ring. So I had them do, so we all climbed to the top together and oh my gosh, if you go to my Instagram, like this was the best hill climbing group that went up a hill together ever. Like we just climbed like, and that's the thing about groups. You can't all like accelerate on a hill because everybody's different. It's about slowing down and pacing yourself up the hill. It's so beautiful when it happens. Try it. Just exert some control, right? Control. Don't think that, oh my God, like I've had people like sprint up. I just can't. Of course you can. And you're going to freaking do it, right? Like use your gears, chillax and climb the hill. Let's climb the hill together in a group. It's a beautiful thing. Everybody feels really good together, right? Nobody likes to be left behind and nobody likes to like be sprinted away from, especially when you're going out and doing group stuff. So that's number one. <laughs> so we get to the top and, um, and I explain. So the first set, what they did is we set a turnaround as we were coming up the hill. So this is where you guys are going to turn around. And, um, and your first is your seated big ring, then seated small ring. So this small ring in the front. Then the third one is standing small ring. So it's to get used to your muscles. Frank, how are you in here? Um, getting used to your muscles on the hill, right? Um, so so seated to standing is a different muscle group. It needs to be trained so that you can transition between both and do one stand in one hill. So, so when you go to stand up or sit down, your legs don't explode and basically you're done. So, so the next thing is I had my other girls who had been coming out 
what I did is I had cones. I had cones. I have cones. Okay, this is the fun part about being coaching, being the coach. So I have these cones. And what we did, what I did, is I basically set up these cones as turnaround points down the hill. So one not completely to the end, one a little bit further up, and then a little bit further up, and a little bit further up. Okay, so I had four of them, three of them out. Um, and what they had to do is they had to go down and turn around in the middle of the hill and then accelerate up. So their acceleration got shorter and shorter, right? And that's the thing, like your hill is just extended and extended because you're continuously on the hill. You don't completely finish the hill. You turn around and you can keep going up. You come down for a couple seconds, then you turn around and you go back up. And um, I like doing different things like that because it really uh, pushes you. So you can either do that hill seated or standing or a combination of both. It was just about the turnaround. Okay, I don't like giving too many things to think about because then you're not going to do anything and you're not going to finish what you're supposed to be doing. So there you go. Try those two hill repeat drills. And like when you go out, like I said, what mass everywhere. Um, go out with a plan. Go, this is what I'm going to do on my hill today. Okay, and remember the 80-20 rule. 80% endurance, 20% intensity. So one part of your week, one part of your drill or your ride in the week is going to be dedicated to some sort of intensity, whether it's hills, whether it's sprints, whatever, going out for a freaking hard ride with another group. Um, all right, now what I was going to talk to you about today was organizing an event. Now, if you follow me on social media, last weekend, um, I organized a time trial. I did not personally organize, well, I did most of it as the organizer, but my club was the host of this event. So Cycle Fit Chicks is a host of this event. And it's our fifth year, fifth year minus last year, because nothing happened last year, um, that we've been running this time trial in our region of Chelsea Wakefield. So I just wanted to go over if anybody is looking at um, organizing a cycling event, I have 11 things, 11 things to think about. And uh, luckily, I live in this area, so it's very easy for me for some of them. And I encourage you, if you are going to be a, an event organizer, do it close to home. Okay, <laughs> I should add that to the first one. But as a race organizer, do it close to home. Um, so if you're going to organize a racing, a cycling event, here are my 11 tips. Okay, so first and this isn't part of it, <laughs> is are you passionate about this? Do you really want to do this? Because I've been wanting to do this for a long time. It's giving back to the sport of cycling. It's encouraging local uh, racers and club members to participate, even though some of them, only very few do. Um, okay, so A, decide what kind of, what type of race you're going to do, because the type of race is going to dictate everything else that I talk about because of the magnitude of the logistics. 
okay? Um, so gravel races, fat bike races, mountain bike races, um, time trials, road races, criteriums. So there's all these different vari varieties and types of races that all have come with like their logistics with them. So I chose a time trial because it was the easiest to map out a course. I had one in my mind close to me, like it runs literally past my house. And for logistics, it didn't require, um, you know, road closures, uh, police being involved, uh, you know, um, cars, things like that. So it was pretty easy to manage. Okay, so that's why. So A, pick the type of race you want to do. Number two is the location. Like I was saying, if I, as a race organizer, do it close to home. Because close to home means like you're just minutes away from the start, minutes away from the course. If you need to take care of anything or you know, get in touch with people. Um, ideally, if you are a resident of where you're going to have your race, you have a little bit more clout because you are a resident, right? Because you're putting on an event for your neighborhood or in your neighborhood. So my event was in Chelsea, between Chelsea and Wakefield. I, um, I live in Chelsea and I'm very close to Wakefield. So basically I'm closer to Wakefield than Chelsea the village. Um, so I picked a, um, uh, out and back. So that's another thing. What are you going to do? Are you going to do a lollipop? Are you going to do a loop? Are you going to do an out and back? Is it like, um, a rolling start? Like, is it a prologue? So your race course, and of course it has to make sense. It can't be like through you know, busy areas. I've tried that before I got away with it. Um, and, uh, so, but it has to make sense for safety of your racers and your volunteers. Let's not forget about the volunteers. Volunteers do all the hard work. Okay. So number two is the location. Make it close to home. Make it something that makes sense. Make it something that's familiar for you so that you know about the course. Then the number three is the course. Um, out and back, is it a good road? Like are racers gonna like racing on it? Is it a safe space? Is it not? Like is it too busy? Is it too, you know, like these things have to be taken into consideration. Number four is the municipalities that you're gonna be running. Usually if you pick a course, it's probably gonna run through at least one of course, if not two, if not three different municipalities. And you have to get all of them on board. You have to generate your contacts, your network um, to A. Number five is pitch them the event and the course. And not only do you have to pitch the municipality, but you have to pitch the fire department and the police department. <laughs> so I remember when I did this the first time, um, I did a full on presentation of the course and what we were going to do and everything. And so that set the stage for the, the years to come. Then all I had to do was do an event, um, application. And then I was lucky enough to be able to ask for 
materials like uh, equipment, like barricades and pylons and things like that, that I don't have. You have to think about that too, because each one of them will have different things in their arsenal of, of equipment that they can rent to you or not rent to you, lend you. So you have to, you have to fill out a contract or not a contract, like a form for that. And, um, and then, you know, the delivery, the pickup, the responsibility, all these things, um, have to come into play for you to get your equipment. Like, where are you going to drop it? Um, you know, what things do you need? What things that can they provide you? And then what things that you have to find. So, because based on also within municipalities, they have to consider, do they have other events happening at the same time in the same region or in the same area? And do they have the equipment to lend you? Because if there's another event going on, then they have probably farmed out that stuff to somebody, to another organization, and then you're out of luck, right? Dates play a big role, and that is number six. Um, based on where you are, like I'm in Quebec, our club is um, registered with the FQSC, the um, Fédération Québec Sport Cycliste, and we get on their race calendar. We have a bit of a say as to what day we want to do our race, but if there's other, um, so basically they get the first dibs on what day our event goes on. So they give us, when I first started, they gave us, gave me a couple dates to pick from. Now we're kind of like on the schedule, but at first, like they have all these provincial races, they have national races and you, and they have other organizers who have been there before. So you can't take, you can't have a race on the same day as somebody else. So they get the first dibs and then you have to talk to the municipalities about your date and, you know, do they have other things going on? Literally, like you have to, like, if you want it on the calendar, it has to be part of the FQSC calendar. If you're, and that's another thing. Do you want to, um, uh, like be, like, um, be part of an organization, like a provincial organization, like the Ottawa, the Ontario Cycling Association, the Quebec Federation, or do you want to go solo? Solo means that you have to do all your marketing. Basically, if you go on with a sanctioned, like your club is sanctioned with um, a provincial organization, then you get on their calendar. And then basically every racer who is um, licensed with them knows about your event. So you get on your the provincial calendar. So you, you do very little advertising um, besides locally to, you know, maybe some triathletes or something. So date plays a big role, um, on, you know, depending on your, like your club, your vision stuff like that. So you have to consider that, um, you can't just plunk it anywhere and expect that that's going to be like, basically your date is picked in like November. Okay. November is when all the clubs, uh, de definitely by like February 1st 
you have to decide on your race date. But November is pretty much when the last year's calendar is, is uh, closed and everything rolls over into the next year. And you just go, okay, is your date still going? Um, do you want that date? Or they have to shuffle you because of some sort of other event, things like that. So that's where like the date plays a big role. Number seven. Okay, we're getting into logistics of your event. Now, prizes, trophies, money. Are you going to give money if you're part of a federation like we are? There's a, um, there's like a calculation. It's based on how many people registered multiplied by this, which is what first place, second place, third place racers get and you have to provide. <laughs> so, so there's a minimum. So it could be like three bucks. It could be like two bucks, depending on how many people register. Um, and, uh, so, and then are you going to give more prizes? Do you have your trophies picked out? Like what are you doing for the racing for the racers? So I just added that because it is something you definitely have to think about um, with regards to trophies. Now for me, I'm in a very artistic area. And so I made trophies for the first time, first year. I made trophies for this year. And the other two years, I actually commissioned them out to local artists, which is kind of cool because I like giving back to the community. Now, number eight is like volunteers, logistics, you know, things like that. The thing that makes and breaks your event is your volunteers. Now I mentioned that this is, um, got to eat breakfast. I'm so hungry. Um, this is run by, by my club cycle fit chicks and I'm the lead and part of our membership and if you're going to be a race organizer, do this and don't feel bad about it either. Do two memberships. One is a non-volunteer membership. So it's more expensive. They never get bugged for volunteering. The other one is volunteering membership and they get money back if they actually volunteer. So then you have a large pool of people who want and said they're going to volunteer. So that's where you get all your volunteers. So a, an event like mine takes about 25 people, 25 people. If you don't have a club, that's freaking hard to get because you're running after everybody. Literally, all we have to do is put a post and say, here's a volunteer job. We need 25 people. Basically, if you don't do your volunteer, you won't get X number of dollars back, which is what we say. If you're going to volunteer, you pay this, you make sure you do your volunteer work, minimum hours, and you get this money back. So say like everybody pays, uh, 225 for our club or 200, depending on when you register. If you volunteer and you do your minimum 10 hours, then you get $50 back. If you don't, you don't get your money back. So it's up to you. And we try and provide like we, there's all sorts of jobs in the club, 
but the big one is the time trial. And if you do that, your volunteering is clicked off and you're good to go for the rest of the summer. So volunteers, and with regards to volunteers, if you're gonna be a good organizer, you make sure your volunteers know exactly what they need to do before race day. Do not save it for race day to tell them what they're up to. Okay, don't like pool all your friends and go, okay, I'll give you the, the lowdown uh, on, on like 7 a.m. in the morning. No. So two, three weeks out, we, I already had like my 25 members. Of course, a couple people dropped off, but I did a Zoom meeting and I showed them the course and I showed the different tasks at, and jobs where I needed them and um, basically made up teams and everybody knew who they're working with. So when they show up, they pick up their equipment. We do a, a meeting and then we start setting up headquarters. And at a certain time, they start heading out on the course and setting up the course. So there's, there's little to no questions and you want it to be run like that because nobody likes to be like show up and go, uh, who do I talk to? Who did? What do I do? Like, da, da, da. I've been to events like that. Fucking bad. Okay. So, um, make sure you're a good organizer with your, uh, members and your volunteers. And like I said, if you're a club, this is what you do. Like give money back. So you're not pulling teeth to find parents or people to help you with your events, just do it because it'll save you so much effort. Okay. And so much like stress. Okay. You know, it's like on stress. So I can easily say that this event that just, um, and I'm going to put up some pictures, um, for you guys to see, um, in this, uh, in, in this episode. Um, so yeah, volunteers checked off. I had the least amount of stress ever for an event. Um, it ran so smoothly and that's what you want. You want to have everything scheduled down, not to the last minute, but just scheduled out. Yeah. And then number nine is marketing. Um, like I said, if you're on a federation calendar, then there's not so much. I capture all the emails of everybody who's participated and they are the ones who get an email as soon as our date is, um, solidified. And also what I do every year is I go into the federation and I capture because I'm a club member. I can get all the other club member emails and I start building my uh, contact list for my event every year. So every year I finish, I have all the emails from all the, uh, the participants and the clubs and that will go together with last year's and last year's and last year's. And so in February, I send out a mass email and then I start sending out reminders and what I've done to, for everybody is I create a Facebook event page and all details go there. So people follow that page and I put reminders. I put the uh, tech guide. Um, oh yeah, I should have added 
marketing technical guide. You have to create one. What, when, where, how, schedule, jersey, bike, hospital, how to directions, all these things go into a tech guide. So that has to be there, but you create one, you just revamp it every year. And I was good. I was lucky enough. Uh, plus the budget. Bat. Where did I should put that? I'll just keep talking about them. <laughs> I should have added that. Um, the budget, the um, tech guide, and um, your volunteers, volunteer jobs. Um, you know, so these are things you have to create. But the nice thing is, is once you create it once, you can just revamp it every year, and it's less work. Um, then of course. Number 10, race day, you know, getting your volunteers there at a good hour to make sure everything's set up for when the first rider rolls in, parking, um, you know your location, your headquarters. Um, if you're lucky enough to have a section of your road closed off, we are for our time trial where the start finishes. We reroute people. Um, it's just a small section of the road. Oh. Here's another one. Make sure that you send a letter to the residents in that closed off section and make sure you advertise locally that there is an event. Not everybody's going to pay attention to news or a uh, newspaper. There's always a couple assholes who don't want to stop to wait, wait for um, a rider to go through. They're always somebody and they're always like super cranky and bitchy. <laughs> it's like, go home and have another cup of coffee, would you? And then come back out or go, you know, like whatever. Um, and then, so our, we have commissaires who come out. So you have to pay for those. Um, those are race officials. They're the ones who take care of all the timing from and starts and bike checks um, and results. You are not responsible for that, but that's the thing. If you're not a sanctioned event, you have to take care of all of that. That's not fun. So that's why, um, sanctioned events, uh, they come with commissaires, they assign them. Uh, it's all part of the calendar. I'm a, I'm a commissaire actually. And, um, I haven't done races in a while because I've been organizing with the club. But what, what the commissaires do is once the race calendar is finalized, they send them out to us and then we pick what races we want to work. They, you need at least four to five, depending, um, always, uh, a lead and then helpers and they come with different prices. Um, so these are good for your budget. You need to know that too, but they take care of everything. The, like, um, kind of like the registration, like we have a check-in. Um, but there's always other things that, you know, the Federation or the commissaires have to do. Um, and then they make sure everybody's lined up and they take care of all the race finishes and the results. So they're the ones who hand down the results. You do the podium and boom, everybody's happy. You give out money, give out trophies and you take pictures and everybody's hunky dory happy. Um, <laughs> Then post-race, um, post-race wrap-up number 11 is loving on your volunteers. If you're at a location that provides lunch, 
give them a voucher. That's what we did of $10 and they can go and get something to eat afterwards. And that was always been really fun because that's when we sit down and we talk feedback. What can we improve for next year? Don't forget the feedback. Um, both from like survey your racers and survey your volunteers. That will make a stupendous event for next year because there's always things you're going to forget that you don't see, that they see, that we can um, that we can improve. Maybe it's more signs. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe we need to clean certain areas of the, the road from gravel. Um, yeah. So there's certain things we can control, like the assholes we can't control and like the cars uh, because we don't close off everything. But um, yeah. Post-race wrap-up and also sending money for the racers, paying your commissaires, um, handing in your budget money or your receipts to get refunded, uh, things like that to the club, um, sending out thank you emails and thank you notes um, are really, really beneficial for your next year's events. So with that... Um, I hope there are more race organizers out there. I hope that helped you. Um, you can definitely DM me for like a, um, tech guide, um, example. You like, you can use mine. I've, I collected other tech guides when as a racer. So I've used other tech guides as examples, um, and a budget. Like I, somebody was nice enough to hand one down to me my first year. Cause I was like, I have no fucking clue. Um, can somebody help me? Um, so these two things like budget and, um, and your tech guide, you know, if you're thinking of doing an event, message me, DM me on Instagram, and I will send it to you. No problem. You can look at my numbers. It doesn't matter. Um, cause everything's going to be different. You're just going to take it and you're going to make it your own, like what I did. So some things will apply to me. Some things won't apply to you, you know, whatever, but it's just better than starting from scratch. Um, so with that, I hope that helped and I hope to see more events out there. Um, and if this helped you, I would love to know. Um, if you have questions, DM me. I love to talk about this stuff because uh, I learn every year from my event. I mean, I used to race for eight years. So this isn't new to me. Like I've been in the scene and as a commissaire too, which is a race official, they kind of like also do the um the checking of the course and making sure everything's cool for safety reasons um yeah so but that's what's like here in quebec um i'm sure there's race there's race officials in ontario there's commissaires in in the states um but uh and this can you know apply anywhere so have an amazing day and i look forward to talking to you next week Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. 
And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review, if you feel so moved, by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment, telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.